Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the History Hit Warfare podcast. I'm your host, James Rogers, and you're catching me as I'm walking through downtown New Haven in the US on my way to the archives to do some research for my new book. But in today's episode, one day before the 105th anniversary of the Somme, we're examining the battle from the perspective of Irish soldiers on the front lines in France. To take you through this little-known hidden aspect of history, we have the brilliant Heather Jones. Enjoy. Heather, it's great to have you back on History Hits. A huge week in, uh, well, it's a huge week in world history. Got a lot to talk about today, but let's try and focus on the Somme, the big historical anniversary of the week. The Irish, uh, it's often described as an Anglo-French battle. The Irish played a huge role at the Somme, didn't they? They did indeed. They were involved in the opening day very significantly, particularly uh, the 36th Ulster Division, but also Irish units in mainstream British uh, British regiments. Um, there were also large numbers of Irish involved in the 16th Irish Division's uh, battles in September as part of the Somme battle. Let's talk initially about the, just the pure military side, then we'll move on to the political and the significance on the first and the Ulster Division on, on the Somme on the first of July, really is one of the most famous moments of that terrible battle. What just br- briefly, what what did they do? How did they perform during the battle during that first day? Well. The 36th Ulster Division units were very unusual because they actually achieved their objectives on the first day of the Battle of the Somme, unlike the rest of the army. Effectively, they managed to get into the German defensive area of the Schwaben Redoubt, which was on higher territory. They fought their way in. And in fact, they advanced so rapidly, they actually outpaced their own barrage and ended up being badly uh, badly devastated by their own barrage from their own side. And they also got cut off because they'd advanced um, and other units were not able to support them. So they end up fighting a heroic last stand, really, against the Germans uh, in some of the most extreme German defences on the battlefield. They're an example of that terrible feature of First World War um, trench warfare, which is actually become a victim of your own success, don't you? Because you get into the you get into the enemy defences, you can't be reinforced, and actually the, you're isolated, and the enemy can pick you off in counterattacks. It's a, it's a sort of a, a tragedy heaped upon tragedy. I always think. 
Absolutely. And they suffered terrible casualties, over 5,000 uh, killed and wounded, uh, over 5,500. And you're looking at people coming from the same parts of Northern Ireland and many coming from Belfast. So entire streets which are plunged into mourning as a result of the first day of the Psalm, black crepe on every door and um, families who've, who've lost sometimes several family members. So it, it's very much a scar on the Northern Irish um Unionist psyche, uh, this experience of the first day of the Psalm, um, and it also tallies with uh, with, with commemorative uh, events around the 12th of July. So obviously, that particular moment in 1916 for those soldiers was seen as quite a symbolic moment as well culturally. Now you mentioned the word unionist there. So what was most of that Ulster division? Were they Protestants? Were they unionist people that believed in the union with the United Kingdom rather than nationalist Catholics, or was it a cross community division? What's quite important to, to know is the way that the Irish involvement in the First World War was set up was very political. Uh, going into the war, Ireland had just got home rule and this was going to be introduced after the war ended. It's interrupted, suspended uh, its implementation for the duration of the First World War. And at the start of the war, there are paramilitary militias in Ireland, both pro-home rule and anti-home rule. And their leaders put them at the disposal of the British government to help defend the United Kingdom in its hour of need against uh, what's seen as German tyranny. So the Ulster, uh, 36th Ulster Division is largely made up of men who had been part of uh, what was what was the Ulster Volunteer Force, an anti-home rule militia before the war. They volunteered en masse straight into this division and in many cases have kept the same formations. And their leader, Edward Carson, has put them at the disposal of the British government in a sign of Ulster Union's solidarity with the United Kingdom. In contrast, the pro-home rule militia, the Irish Volunteer Force, has been offered to serve by John Redmond and many of many of its units, not all, but many, have also volunteered. Uh, they haven't been incorporated quite so smoothly into the British Army. There's been a lot more tension about incorporating them because they are Irish nationalists. Uh, but they also fight at the Somme in September. But the units that fight on the first day in the Ulster Division are largely unionist in outlook. So this is a very particular community memory in Ireland. What's interesting is, however, that there's lots of other Irish fighting on that first day and in the first weeks of the Somme, fighting as part of the diaspora who've been who've been, who've been volunteering volunteering in mainland uh, Britain, as it were, fighting as part of the diaspora in the in the dominions. So there's a lot of there's a lot of Irish input that first day. The Tyneside Irish would be a very good example of lots of Irish volunteering from outside of the island of Ireland, whose numbers we don't really know. Gosh, yeah. So like at the Battle of Waterloo, lots of supposedly British units actually would have contained huge numbers of Irishmen as well. Exactly. And so the, the Somme itself is very much a battle with, with, with large amounts of Irish involvement um, and, and significant Irish casualties. And as, as the battle progresses, you, you do therefore see both sides of the community are involved in, in, in various, various different points of the battle, are they? either in British units or in the Irish units that were fed into the battle later on? Absolutely. There are many Catholic Irish and nationalist Irish involved in units that have been, that have been recruited uh, from either, that are either regular British units or that are units, men who volunteered for units in, in other parts of the UK. Uh, so there, there, are, there are many involved throughout. There are many uh, involved in the 16th Irish Division contribution to the battle in September which is a very significant contribution uh, by Irish nationalists mainly pro-home rulers who fight at Guillemot and Ganshi and achieve their aims at Ganshi but with 50% casualties amongst their officers so you're really looking at um, at quite a battle that over its whole course which is over 140 days a long long battle um, Irish involvement from all political backgrounds in Ireland and none in combat So in that case that's the battlefield situation 
what is the political ramifications of the Battle of the Somme in Ireland? That's a huge question. Is it possible to, to point the Somme as a sort of watershed moment in, in Ireland's slide towards autonomy and independence? Or was it just another one of the terrible World War I battles that, that left a, a terrible butcher's toll? I think the Somme has an, a really big knock-on effect, but in many different ways. So it consolidates a sense of disillusionment with the war that has been growing amongst Irish nationalists since Gallipoli. There's been quite a significant Irish involvement in Gallipoli. Many Catholic Irish working class men from, from Dublin in the Royal Dublin Fusiliers killed at Gallipoli. Uh, many volunteers from the Irish Catholic intelligentsia killed at Gallipoli. And that, that launches discontent amongst uh, what might be seen as the, the, the nationalist uh, war effort in Ireland. The Unionist war effort is very much, I think, copper fastened to the cause of the United Kingdom by the Somme, by what's seen as the blood sacrifice of young Ulster Unionists for, for, for the Union uh, in this battle. They're seen to have spilled their blood to stay in the United Kingdom. That's very much how the battle is then portrayed in, in history going forward in Unionist historiography. So there, the, the, the battle has a different ramifications. It promotes a sense of actual war weariness and disillusionment uh, amongst the nationalist side, but it, it also promotes a sense of real, of real pride uh, amongst the Unionist side. And one of the key things as well that the battle does is it kills off some really important Irish Catholic nationalist intelligentsia figures who pro-home rule, so moderates. This is the year of 1916. This is the year of the Easter Rising. Opinions in, in, in Ireland are changing amongst the nationalist community quite rapidly in the wake of the way the Rising's been put down. And those moderate voices who find themselves on the Western Front, not in Ireland at that time, to, to argue against the path towards violent independence, to argue for home rule. And um, many of them are then killed in the Battle of the Somme. People like uh, Tom Kettle, an Irish nationalist home rule MP, killed uh, in, in September 1916 at the battles of, of, of Guillemot and Ganshi. And you see that you see their loss. Then it, it, it can, that gap cannot be made up. There, there is no one to replace those voices of moderation amongst the intelligentsia. Yeah, wow. You answered the question there, but I was going to ask whether you think there's the, the literal physical impact of removing all those all those moderate voices that the, the Somme actually literally killed the compromise solution for Ireland in the early 20th century. It killed the people that were going to deliver that solution potentially. Yes, in many ways, I would, I would, I would agree with that. I think one of the things about the Somme, however, that that is also important is that because it's such a horrific experience on the ground in terms of the officers who are there, Unionist officers and, and, and Catholic Nationalist officers who generally didn't encounter each other that often through the war. They were in different units a lot of the time in, in terms of the 16th and the 36th. They only really served together in the 10th Irish Division, which is a different, a different matter. And they actually do reach out a little bit more. And there is a reduction in sectarianism in 1916 on the Somme between these groups because they are experiencing such a horrific uh, battlefield uh, conditions and because they are serving for the same cause, which is, as they see it, to defend the United Kingdom against Germany. So there is definitely a, a sense of a kind of shared moment there that then rapidly evaporates as the sort of more Republican narrative of, of Easter Rising 1916 takes hold in 1917, uh, particularly through a, a campaign against the introduction of conscription to Ireland. Remember, Ireland is exempt from conscription in 1916 when it fights on the Somme, unlike Britain. Right, well, this is my next question. So so as you've discussed so vividly, the people that were fighting on the Somme were, were embodied in sort of pre-war organisations or, dare I say, militias for, for and against uh, home rule. They were then sort of absorbed into the British army and then a very different kind of conscription, a, a very different kind of um, recruitment drive begins, I suppose, after the Somme does it in Ireland. I mean, do, do things change in Ireland in terms of who's joining the army? 
Things do change a little bit, but it's more because of the Easter Rising than actually because of the Psalm in terms of recruitment in Ireland. Recruitment in Ireland drops off and has been dropping off since late, since really late like 1915. Gallipoli has a huge impact. And um, Volunteering until then had actually been quite good for what's mainly a rural country. Rural countries tended not to, rural parts of the UK tended not to volunteer uh, very much for, for, for the war. It was mainly the cities. Ireland was a rural part of the UK at the start of the conflict. So actually it, the numbers volunteering from Ireland were quite good. And you have two, some 200,000 Irish men from all backgrounds uh, who actually volunteer and go and serve in the First World War from the island of Ireland. So quite high numbers. But that, that, that volunteering uh, trend really drops away from late 1915, rising sees a little spike as some people actually rush to the colours to try and prove that Ireland is not um, is not just the, the, the country of the rising and what's seen as the stab in the back by some parts of, of British society. But it then falls away again quite dramatically. So the Psalm has an impact, but actually that trend has started before the Psalm. And I think where the Psalm has, has, has a big impact is in uh, promoting a very rapid sense of war weariness, disillusion, um, accelerating that and going into 1917, really playing into the hands of obviously the, the political campaign for independence, for full independence from Britain, which is arguing that this is a British war, that Irishmen are being used as cannon fodder uh, and that actually they, 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 shouldn't, uh, they shouldn't volunteer, they shouldn't be involved in the British army and conscription should not be introduced to Ireland. And that draws a whole load of people away from moderation and home rule towards radicalisation. And as the war progresses, is the Irish involvement, does it remain as large on the Western Front or is there, is there a slow diminution of, of Ireland's role? Well, Irish units start to get diluted quite significantly with men from, from, from England uh, and from lots of different uh, backgrounds, Scots, Welsh, English. So actually, by the end of the war, if one looks at the, the memorial books to the, for, the, for the roles of honour and to, to the Irish units, you'll see a lot of people actually from, from England, from English backgrounds, English addresses in those units by 1918 because they're not able to keep filling them with, in, in the way they had filled the PALS battalions originally with people from the same from the same areas. Irish recruitment has dropped off. But if one, look, if one looks at the actual Irishmen serving in the army, uh, many of them do continue, continue very, very, very strongly to support the, the British cause in the war right to the end. They're there in 1918 and they very unfairly actually carry the can for the, the collapse of the British Fifth Army in, in the face of the Ludendorff Offensive of the 21st of March 1918. Um, and General Gough and, and his Irish units are really scapegoated uh, as, as, as somehow less loyal and more cowardly and have retreated too quickly in light of what it's actually a terrible German onslaught and badly dug in British tr- trenches that they've just taken over from the French, conditions that the men could do nothing about. So there is a sense of a rise of anti-Irish sentiment in the British army coming out of the year 1916. The Irish sacrifice in the Somme therefore get really overshadowed by the legacy of the Easter Rising going into 1917 and a, ve- and a veil of suspicion that comes over Catholic nationalist uh, Irishmen in the British army. The Unionist memory is to really try and counter that and to argue that they are loyal, they are fighting for the Union, the home rulers are treacherous, 1916 just highlights Irish treachery. They should never have been trusted to begin with. And that this line of narrative then is, is really what Carson and, and others start advocating in London. And ultimately, after the war, obviously, that's the narrative that the narrative of, of the Union's sacrifice in the Somme is the one that comes to be remembered about the Irish participation in the Somme. Not the 16th Irish Division, not the ordinary Irishmen serving in, in other, in other, in other uh, British Army regiments. So, I mean, this is probably really obvious, but I mean, 1916, for all of those reasons, 1916 is the watershed year for Ireland and the United Kingdom's journey, uh, which, which then starts to go on, on very different paths, ends up in, in full independence for Ireland. 
full independence for the Republic of Ireland. I would uh, clarify <laughs> just, uh, but I think it is indeed 1916 that is the year that sets those 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 forces very much into a kind of accelerated motion and actually reduces the chances of, of, of a home rule solution which would have kept the whole island of Ireland uh, together would have avoided uh, would have avoided the kind of formal partition there would have been some kind of a, a kind of federal government I think for the north uh, uh, because the unionists would never have accepted uh, d- the home rule Dublin parliament entirely but there would have been some solution that would have kept the island of Ireland through home rule mechanisms within the overall United Kingdom polity. Um, 1916 really, I think, destroys the chances of that outcome ever happening. And what happens at the Somme, in a, in a way, for those for those nationalist Irish who are caught up in the Battle of the Somme, is the moment where they're really written out of history and, and different narratives of both the Republican narrative of 1916 and the Unionist narrative of blood sacrifice of the Somme take over and come to dominate um, how World War I uh, is remembered or not remembered in the case of Ireland. Significantly, by the 1940s, because of the Second World War and Irish neutrality in, in, in the, 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 the south of Ireland during the Second World War, commemoration of the First World War becomes very difficult in the south of Ireland, becomes silenced, it's seen as a breach of wartime Second World War neutrality to commemorate World War I. And so you end up with a silenced memory and uh, very much you end up with the prediction of Tom Kettle, who died at the Somme, coming true when he says talking of the 1916 rebels, these men will go down in history as heroes and I will go down, if I go down at all, as a bloody British officer. And that's exactly what happens. He is written out of Irish history uh, until very recently. And the first state commemoration of the Irish men of all backgrounds who died at the Somme by the Republic of Ireland was in 2006. So that's how recently it took place that those men were finally acknowledged and their death and their and their suffering and their experience was finally, in a way, written back in to the narrative of, of the state's history. And partly this was because of the fact that in Northern Ireland, a very particular unionist memory of the war had taken dominance. And the fact that actually many nationalists from Northern Ireland are also fighting in the war had been written out as, as history became very sadly part of a polarised political battle for what solution would, 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 would occur to, to, to the Northern Irish Troubles. It's one of the most enormous centenaries, one of the most enormous anniversaries of the Somme. We, we, those of us in Britain know, we've, we've, we hear a lot about the Somme, we know the impact it had, but the interesting thing about this series of podcasts that I'm doing at the moment for this centenary, talking to French, German, Irish and other, other historians, is it just seems to have a huge impact elsewhere across Europe and the world as well. This is one of those British events that we mark, we commemorate, but it's a truly genuinely international and we're still perhaps we're still living with many of the consequences of 1916 and the Somme. I would agree with that. I think it's very much the the first totalized industrial battle along with Verdun and you see you see you see our modernity born in the first world war in these moments. It's the modernity we still live with. We can still recognize the fracturing of the Irish polity as it exists today coming out of that moment. We can still see uh, how certain myths have been formed um, and, and formed often out of very severe bereavement. I mean, the unionist bereavement is catastrophic in this battle. And it's that hurt and that pain that creates that need to take pride in those sacrifices, that need to commemorate the sum every year, that need to really try and make it meaningful. So to claim these men died for something, they died for the union, they died for unionism, therefore their deaths were not in vain. That comes out of very real human bereavement. 
one, one has to remember that. Fortunately, now, I think with the peace process, you do have an acknowledgement of the scale of Irish death in the World War One. The fact that we can remember everybody now um, from from all backgrounds is really important and, it, and, and is a really good step towards getting what I think is maybe a more accurate and balanced history of what actually happened at the Somme for Ireland and the complexities of that year 1916 for the whole island without, without reducing anybody's input and um, simply balancing it and giving more context. Heather, thanks so much for joining us on History Again. You're such a phenomenal historian and communicator. You've been on before, you'll be on again. Heather, see you out there. Thank you very much for joining us, everyone. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. And before you go, remember, as a Warfare listener, you get a special discount at History Hit. Subscribers get access to blissfully, uninterrupted, ad-free podcasts and thousands of hours of history documentaries. You've got everything from the American Revolution to my own documentaries like Traces of War, Weapons of War and 24 Hours in Normandy, where I follow in the footsteps of the Green Howards on D-Day from their beach landings to being awarded the Victoria Cross and all the way through their first day where they made it seven miles inland further than any other British or American unit. So head over to historyhit.com forward slash subscribe or follow the link in the show notes and use the code WARFARE to get 50% off your next three months. That's the code WARFARE to get 50% off. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free episodes within the app. So give it a go. I know you're gonna love it.